Help support our coverage with a free account on Privacy, the service that keeps your bank information private when shopping online. Take control of your subscriptions and other recurring payments, plus pause and close privacy cards at any time. And get $5 right now to try the service at collision.live slash privacy. Our next guest is here. Hello. One more time. Hi. There we go. How are you doing today? I'm great, thanks. Go ahead and introduce yourself for me. I am Jeff Allen. I'm the CEO and the founder of Echo Ridge, uh, which is a uh, startup based out of Concord, New Hampshire, just about an hour north of Boston. Okay. okay. So what does Echo Ridge do? Echo Ridge uh, was started as an effort to kind of bring some more balance back to uh, political activism and kind of counter the influence of big money in politics. Uh, my background is actually, I came from the big money side of politics. Uh, I was <laughs> running some of those uh, lobbying and uh, political strategy operations. In fact, one of the largest out of Silicon Valley. And so I, you know. <laughs> uh, yeah, I guess coming from that dark side, I guess, I guess I was able to bring a, a little bit of expertise to it and kind of realize what the pain points were from the individual point of view and how we can kind of address those. And um, Echo Ridge came about as a response to, you know, uh, being feeling like I was somewhat disenfranchised as an individual from the political process. And so I wanted to find a way to kind of give individuals a voice uh, and the ability to organize around issues, not candidates or campaigns, but rather issues themselves, okay. fund them and then push them into law, legislation, policy, whatever needed to be done to make that happen. Okay. It, <laughs> it's interesting to put the two pieces of information together that as an individual you felt as an outsider from yourself <laughs> as a <laughs> it was it was a it was a crisis of conscience i guess sure. uh, and that uh, but it really did kind of give me an understanding of the tools used by what we might consider to be the political elite or the aka big money within politics sure. and how we could uh, take advantage of those tools because i thought the reality was that you know there's a lot of effort out there to try to remove big money from politics but i got to say pragmatically honestly i don't think it's going to happen within my lifetime so i thought Let's do the proverbial fight fire with fire and give access to these tools of these tools to the individuals out there who okay. could actually play a part and use them to their advantage. It's just that they are made, uh, I, I don't want to say intentionally difficult to access by the common person, but the reality is it's kind of out of the realm of most of us to be able to kind of take advantage of things like super PACs and dark money and all that good stuff that big money puts to use every day. But if we kind of created a platform that leveled that playing field, it would democratize the political process at the issue level and let individuals play a, a greater influence within the political process instead of just waiting for every November to come around so I could pass, cast a ballot for the candidate who sort of supported my position. Right. Right. Yeah. Because obviously everybody's different and right. no candidate represents you. Right. Entirely. It doesn't, doesn't match you one for one. There's always going to be variation. So if you can go for a, a passion project, right. something that's the most important to you. Right. And that's the thing, too, is I think that a lot of people don't understand when it comes down to it, political change really doesn't happen at the ballot box every November because you're putting people into office, you're taking people out of office. Day to day at the state houses in the country, in D.C., in the halls of Congress, this is really where change is being made because these issues, these pieces of legislation that oftentimes pass right under the radar of the American public are being passed, being put into law. Um, oftentimes, you know, 
let's look at something like net neutrality, for example. I think if you ask the average person out there, is net neutrality something that we should keep in place? Is it good? Is it something that needs to be there to kind of protect, you know, uh, startups, for example, uh, within this space and give them equal access to bandwidth and so on? Everyone sort of agrees. But then you have the FCC that comes and says, you know what, we're going to remove those protections with, I mean, who, regardless of what who, the public thinks. Who isn't a legal body anyway. Right. <laughs> who couldn't pass law in the first place? They can only put regulations in. Right. The regulations are as changeable as the political wind. Right. And that's the funny thing, though, is regulations, the funny thing is, within the industry, it's kind of a, a, a go-to um, piece of knowledge that regulations are easy to pass, exceptionally hard to remove. And these type of things pass all the time through committees, through uh, regulatory bodies with no or little input from the public. Mm -hmm. And this is where real change is being made. And now what we're doing is we're giving people actually access to this type of uh, deal making and legislative or regulatory process so they can play a role, so that people can come together, group together with people who share like-minded interests and passions as they do and then be able to kind of get behind it from a fundraising point of view and a Kickstarter type method where they can bring small dollars in to rival the big dollars in politics. And then from there, if you guys are familiar with Upwork, it's sort of like a marketplace programmers and so on. We have something that looks like an Upwork, but in this case, instead of programmers, it's lobbyists and lawyers and publicists and the people who can actually drive legislative change. Okay. Okay, so my guess is, from what you've said so far, my guess is, that I can probably see some of the stuff that's going on through this, maybe things that are in the works? Yeah, absolutely. So we, we right now on the, uh, on the first module, the social part, we're in a closed beta period, but the okay. fundraising part, we actually have a few causes which are alive. Two notable ones, uh, the first is uh, paid family leave. There's a lot of efforts right now to kind of standardize paid family leave within the US so that you know, a lot of the U.S. law guarantees that if you have to take family leave for yourself, for your kid, um, you can do so and not be uh, fired from your job. The problem is you're not going to get paid. And most people choose not to take family leave because of that reason. So they're trying to put some uh, pieces into place right now that will allow people to kind of get an income. So there's a few proposals on the table uh, how to do that, both from Congress as well as several states. And what we're doing is helping the group behind that kind of, the multiple groups uh, bind together and kind of put a unified face to their cause so that they can help shape that legislation in Congress. That's one of them. The other one is uh, a little bit more on the controversial side. Anti-vaxxers, they've been in the news recently, lots of measles outbreaks going on. Sure. Um, there is some thinking that anti-vaxxers certainly do have uh, the right to opt out of vaccinations because of their personal liberty and the rights they're afforded under that. Sure. However, that doesn't mean that they can then spread, you know, mm -hmm. infectious diseases it's which are preventable. Yeah. Right. So they can do what they want until it bumps into Exactly. Once your rights stop when my rights begin, right? Uh -huh. And the reality is that, you know what? Anti-vaxxers should have the right to opt out because that's their right. But you know what? They need to be held responsible if they're the cause of a sure. preventable outbreak of a disease. Sure. And so this group wants to put into place a piece of legislation that holds anti-vaxxers accountable from a civil liability point of view. Sort of like wow. if you don't have car insurance and you're driving a car in a state that doesn't require it, that's fine until you cause an accident, at which point you are now liable and on the hook for it all. And that's kind of the gist of this anti-vaxxer okay. cause. So similar to 
uh, non-compulsory car insurance. Okay. So that's those are the causes that we've been piloting along right now, and it's starting to gain uh, a lot more traction. We are starting to get uh, interest from various groups who've reached out to us uh, about uh, what type of causes they can do, both from the individual side, loose collectives of individuals, as well as the more uh, organized side, such as grassroots organizations and nonprofits, which also have their own political agendas to pursue. Sure. Now, what if uh, what if a particular project or uh, uh, cause. There you go. I couldn't come up with that word. Uh, isn't necessarily a financial one. Maybe it's a, maybe there's a, a coin to be minted uh, and it requires, you know, to get a coin minted is yep. a huge number. Uh, 75% of, of Congress yep. has to approve it. Could you use the platform for something like that too? You certainly could. And there is the capability to use our platform uh, from a more publicity-oriented point of view in the sense that um, once you get a group of people onto the system who, has, who have voiced a certain opinion about something and shown support, and we can bring metrics like that to elected representatives, we can say, hey, congressman, this particular group of people within this zip code, which falls under your constituency, 30,000 voters, real voters, they want this to happen. It's a lot easier to push the point than saying, you know, oh, 20,000 anonymous individuals on the internet signed a petition. Yeah, 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 sure. <clears throat> and, and when you're dealing with something that requires something more than a regular, just a regular majority or something like that, yep. you know, being able to, to say, hey, your people want this. Right, and that's true. And it's, I think that's a good point, too, because what we're doing actually as a byproduct of it creates uh, something that's more detailed, more fleshed out than traditional polling is. If you think about the traditional polling method, it's a polling company calling someone at 3 o'clock in the afternoon. Do you think A or B? Are you a Republican or a Democrat? And it's very binary, right? Uh -huh. It doesn't give any flavor or any um, sort of depth to right. the reality of the person who's answering that question. And, and the I think majority it, of the people who are answering the question are somebody with nothing else to do. Right. And <laughs> if we look... Because you and I aren't answering that question. Right. We've got things to do. We've got, yeah, we were out at working <laughs> or whatever yeah, the case may be. Yeah, at 3 in the afternoon, I'm not answering that call. So what you get, though, is like the situation in 2016 where all the polls said uh, Hillary Clinton's going to win this election. The reality was Trump took the election. Why? Because people who were being polled were answering what they thought was socially acceptable. Oh. And so that uh -huh. kind of messed up the entire idea right. or the concept of polling. Mm -hmm. What we also do, though, like I said, as a byproduct of the platform is we can provide a more three-dimensional model to what people, where they stand, what they think, what causes they donate to, so that when we go to congressmen and we say, hey, this is what your constituents want. It's not a very binary black or white. It's this is the real individual, and this is what they're thinking, and this is how they will vote. So because we've actually... They, they weren't asked a multiple choice question. Correct. They were given the whole spread of... <laughs> That's right. ...of all the things that are possible, and they said, this is the thing that I'm passionate about. And we've had the opportunity to do this already. So I've been down to Capitol Hill a couple of times about uh, what we're doing, and specifically related to paid family leave on the pilot. We went down and we met with Senators Gillibrand and Rubio, who both have competing proposals in the Senate for paid family leave. And we pulled out this um, bunch of analytics uh, for them, and they were blown away by what we were able to present them in terms of insight into their constituents. And it was, for them, it was a pivotal moment in the sense that they didn't realize that we could bring such depth to uh, 
understanding about what their constituents are actually looking for. That's really cool. Um, how long has this pro? You're an alpha, so yep. we're pro pretty early stage. We are. We started building in August of last year. Okay. Uh, we just closed a pre-seed round in October of last year, and we're currently in a seed round raise, which we've half-filled. Very cool. Quick moving. Well, we've tried to. It's one of the things where the more we can do before the 2020 election, probably the better, because we have to be able to also, um, you know, as politics becomes more front of mind, especially as elections approach, it's a good time for us to be there saying, hey, yeah. elections aren't the only way that you guys can influence things. Right. You can get right in front of the issues that matter most to you. How did you hear about and decide to come to Collision? Uh, the Collision organizers reached out to us and uh, said we had been shortlisted among a group of uh, startups and they wanted to talk to us more. So we uh, did a few phone calls with them and um, they offered us a spot in Alpha and that's kind of how we ended up here. Glad we did take uh, the opportunity because it's been really a good conference and uh, we're really pleased with the outcome so far. Oh, yeah, it's it's a unique conference, isn't it? It is. And, you know, having been to many conference related to <laughs> politics in the past, uh, I was just complaining to one of my associates. I said, you know, it would be like uh, after the first day, I'd be like, huh, now what do we do all day? But here at Collision, it's been great because the topics they've been speaking about have actually been relevant to what it is that we're facing, the pain points we have as a startup, funding and marketing and all that good stuff. All the things that are pain points for all startups. Right, right. So it, yeah. and it's wonderfully applicable to everybody in the room. And that's right. And that's a great uh, point because we also have the chance to kind of talk to the startups who are, you know, our peers in the industry and be able to kind of, you know, at least share insights and resources and tips and so on. And so it's been really, really uh, productive at least the last couple of days. That's good. It's, that tends to be what we hear. <laughs> yep. Well, I think we'll be back again for next collision. And hopefully as a beta. I would say hopefully, yeah. we'll, <laughs> hopefully we'll see the color get upgraded. I hope so. Yeah. I hope so. That, that graduation process is a cool part of collision. <laughs> right. So, so where do we go from here? So from here, uh, once we complete the round that we're raising now, which is our, uh, technically our seed round, uh, this is for go-to-market. Okay. Ultimately, we've done the product. We feel comfortable where the platform is. Technically, all the processes are in place. Now we close the round and we actually launch and we begin the growth stage of the company. Cool. And do you have any idea, a rough timeline and what you're hoping for on that? Um, we're hoping to close this round by the end of June. Uh, we're in the process of either due diligence or paperwork on various fronts at the moment. So that has been kind of filling up quickly. Okay. Uh, although if anyone's watching and they want to find to be an invest in the other half of it, I'm happy to talk to you. <laughs> well, great. If people are interested in finding out more either from a consumer standpoint or from an investor standpoint, how can they do that? Well, they can visit our website at echoridge.io, and that's kind of the general overview of everything we're doing. Um, as far as the platform goes, that's actually located at nationcrowd.com. Nationcrowd being one word, dot com. Very cool. Perfect. Well, thank you so much for coming and talking to us today. It's my pleasure. Thank you very much. Thank you. Have, Have a, a good, good rest, rest of the conference. <laughs> All right. Thank you.